This is CJ Hawk of the Bullhawk Sports Show. And I know what you're thinking. You thought episode 90 was done and dusted. You thought it was over. You thought it had been put to bed. No. I have some explosive breaking news that came out one hour ago that we got to talk about right now. Can't wait any longer. No dilly-dallying. we got to discuss it this very second because this is going to totally put... The Chicago Fire FC season on its head. This is going to help us big time in the offensive realm. We've been discussing a lot on this podcast about the Chicago Fire's success in bringing in new defensemen, trying to shore up our back line. And now this is going to help us big time in the goal scoring department, hopefully. And I'm super excited to discuss this new acquisition and this is going to definitely be one that I'm really happy that we were able to make and really happy to see him play in the future next season. And the news is that the Chicago Fire have acquired Polish striker Katzper Sabilko from the Philadelphia Union for general allocation money split across two seasons. And Katzberg is now under contract with us until 2023 through that season as well. So through the 2023 season. I am pumped up for him joining us. Now I'm going to discuss a little bit about his career, who he is as a player, what he's going to bring to our squad, and how he's going to change the dynamics in a big way. Katzberg is 28 years old. He spent the last three seasons as a member of the Philadelphia Union, where he scored 35 goals, 14 assists, and 83 appearances, 77 starts. Since making his debut on April 20th, 2019, fun fact, Katzberg's 35 goals are tied for the third most in the all of MLS, behind only, these are the big guns, these are the superstars. When you think of best MLS strikers, these are the guys we're going to hear. So this is good company that Casper is in. And for us as a team, that's really good that a man who scores that much goals is going to be coming to us. And this is an example of a man who scored a lot of goals in the past and he's old now and he's getting towards the end of his career and he's just, my last team will be the fire. No, this man's still in his prime. He's not 30 yet. He still has a lot to go as a MLS footballer. So he in the league, he was only behind Atlanta United FC striker, one of the best in all of MLS, Josef Martinez, who had 38 goals. Seattle Sounders attacker, Raul Ruiz Diaz, one of the best as well, 37. And also, in our fact, his 49 combined goals and assists are the fourth highest total of any player in the MLS since 2019. He trails only LAFC's Carlos Vela with 59, New York City FC's Valentine Castellanos with 52, and Sporting Kansas City's Johnny Russell with 51. So great company there for Katzper. And about his career with the Union, he led the Union in scoring each of the last three years including the short 2020 season when Philly got their first ever Supporters Shield trophy to win the Eastern Conference. He also added five goals 
in the 2021 Social Bank CONCACAF Champions League, finishing as the top scorer in that tournament while helping get the Union to the semis. Prior to coming to MLS, Katzberg was in a variety of different divisions in Germany. From 2011 to 2018, he made 162 appearances across all competitions for a variety of clubs, including FC Cologne, which another fact that's notable and fun to discuss is that the player that we just disguised and just got recently, Rafael Chihos, also played at FC Cologne. They did not meet, they were not teammates according to this article, but they did actually face off in the Bundesliga at one point, so that's fun. Now they're teammates, and that's going to be exciting. Those are definitely two of the biggest signings and players we've acquired. So a little bit more. He's in Germany. He's best known for when he was 20 years old. He was on the FC Cologne side that won the two Bundesliga title, which earned them promotion to the Bundesliga. That was a big moment in Katzberg's young career as a football player. And I am really pumped up for Katzberg to join us. He is definitely the kind of striker that I'm looking for. And he's going to definitely help us. And he has represented Poland internationally on the youth level, where he scored 10 times, 5 goals in the under-21 side in 2013. He has definitely been a person who scored goals in a variety of different leagues and divisions. And being one of the most established goal scorers in MLS will look to bring us goals and definitely show up our offense. And he's going to come just in time for our preseason in Florida and Orlando. And his accolades, his experience, his leadership will be all qualities that I am really excited for him to bring. And if you're interested in how he's going to fit on the roster in international, because that can do something with like, does he take up an international roster spot? He does not. He does have a U.S. green card. And he speaks fluently German, Polish, and English. So very excited for Casper to join the fire. Welcome to Chicago, Casper. I am going to be really pleased to see you on TV and see you play at Soldier Field in the future. So that was our breaking news here on the Bulldog Sports Show to discuss the new acquirement of Katzper Sabilko. Very excited. And DJ Benny Bull definitely is very excited as well. And that concludes finally concludes episode 90 and our coverage on the Bulldog Sports Show. Welcome to the Bulldog Sports Show. Continuing on with episode 90, we are pumped to discuss some Chicago Fire talk here on 
the program, and I'm each car fire FC, not car fire on NBC, the TV show. In case you didn't understand what we're talking about. Catch those replays on my 50 Chicago. Right. (laughs) They'll have marathons on like for that. So, yeah. He's CJ Hawk. I'm DJ Benny. And we are excited to get back to the fire talk for improvements. Um, This was just a from an interview from a uh, off a former player of the fire. So, um, the name of this. Yeah, let's get show. get into it. Started about mm-hmm. last year. One of our play-by-play, the main broadcaster for the Chicago Fire, Tyler Terrence. He's very good. I really like how he's. <laughs> Joined from uh, Jersey, coming to Chicago Fire, play-by-play man. He's very good. And his co-host is the impeccable, the brilliant, the fantastic, one of the best broadcasters in the world, Arlo White from NBC. Beloved. Arlo White covers and does many of the Premier League matches. And also, last season, he did a number of Chicago Fire's matches as well, and as a fan of the Premier League and MLS, I was so happy to see Arlo White call games for the fire. That couldn't have been a more amazing experience for me. It's a dream. Really. I would say so. Because it was supposed to be the year before, but due to COVID crap, it was postponed to last season. And luckily it happened. He called a number of matches and I was really excited. So let's get to the reason for this week's talk about the fire. It has to do with an interview on the podcast which was mentioned, the Intercontinental Football Show with Arlo White and Tom Terrence. They did an interview with former Chicago Fire legend, Bayern Munich legend, and from the German national team legend as well, Bastian Schweinsteiger. He was definitely a well-beloved fan favorite for Bayern Munich and the Fire. Yeah, right off the bat. He, uh, before he was succeeded by the newly beloved, uh, it's been, it's been a minute. <laughs> I don't know who, who's who, our guy. <laughs> I don't know who are, to be honest, who our guy is at the moment. Cause yeah, it's, it's quite interchangeable, but I guess Robert Barrich is he's gone, who, I, so is who I meant. He's gone, um, so now. But yeah, and who will succeed him is the big question. Yeah. We're still figuring out right now who is the face of the Chicago Fire because they made some moves. A lot of these guys are really, really young. So can you really say that this guy's the face of the Fire being only 19 years old? Gaston Jimenez. No. no I don't... Oh, how about um, our, our Cap, uh, El Capitan? Francisco Calvo? He's gone. So He's gone as well, right? <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah, I don't know. lots of questions. I think know. we need to figure we that need, out. We need, we need answers on a later that. podcast. Who so, is the face of the fire? Yeah, that could be a dark it'll segment. Have, it'll have to be one of those guys in that room. Somebody. Yeah, that's, we'll figure that's it out. Still on there. You well, know. We'll get back to you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Bastian. For now, it's Ezra. <laughs> sure, the head, Ezra has head coach. coach. He's the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a welcome face. Uh, let's get back to the interview. So Bastian, he gave them 
great amount of time. I was really excited to see him come on and hear, hear him talk about his retirement, talk about what he's been up to since he retired from the Chicago Fire. He's been talking about how he's been working in Germany as a pundit. He's been calling games, talking about German Bundesliga squads. And he definitely comes across someone who would be very successful as a pundit and a broadcaster. I can see why Germany wanted him to start calling games. I agree with that. And he also talks about how... He's not retired. What? He's not retiring, is he? No, he, he already is retired. All right. From football. Not retiring from... Yeah, he's still involved. He's not retiring from calling football matches, but he's retired as a player. All right. Yeah. Just wanted to clarify that. And he talked For about some of his best moments. He talked about he'll never forget Chicago. He talked about how the fans, the city, he loves Chicago. It's one of his favorite cities in the world and that he's very excited. Hopefully soon, once COVID crap gets better, he can come from Germany to come to Chicago. He talked about how he's very excited and Arlo Whitetail Terrence gave him an open invite to call games with them for um, broadcast, which would be awesome. And he talked about one of the things that really stood out to me in the interview was when they asked him what did he miss most as a player. He mentioned that a lot of players miss the camaraderie, you know, like um, between the players in the locker room, the atmosphere of the player, the big moments they missed that. Well, he missed the fans a lot too. He uh-huh. mentioned that he missed the fan atmosphere in uh, Bayern, for Bayern Munich, Manchester United, and Chicago Fire. He missed the fans' atmosphere and how they embraced him, especially in Chicago. When he first arrived, they embraced him as a member of the squad, and he felt really humbled by that, and that he told them that he was unsure of what was going to happen in MLS and in the United States, but he was very happy that the fans embraced him and it helped him adjust to a new league and a new country. He mentioned something similar to when the Manchester United fans embraced him when he arrived in England and he really humbled by that as well. That was before he got to Chicago. We went Bayern Munich first, Manchester United second for two years, and then he came to the fire to finish off his career. And he thought highly of us, though. Yeah, he really talked about what he loved about going Chicago. in and and coming out. Yeah, from it. that's respect to that. And I thought he definitely came across really great and great guy. Good representative for us in Chicago. This, yeah, you know, even though he's from Germany, I agree. Um, represent Germany. He's definitely a Chicago Fire legend, and I admit I haven't did not really see him. Yeah, me me neither. On TV actually. or in person, I did not, not become a fire big supporter until recently. So I missed the Bastion Schweinsteiger era, but from what they discussed and what I've seen, it was a great time to be a fire fan with Bastion Schweinsteiger being unbelievable on the field and a leader, captain, and a great representative of what the fire are and what they hope to be. And they asked him, is he still watching the Chicago Fire? Is he still following them? And he said yes to both. He's still following Lon, what's going on with the Fire. He's hoping that with the new coach, Ezra Hendrickson, some of the new players, new changes to 
uh, the fires, like the structure, he hopes they can improve. He was disappointed in the poor finish last year, but he's hoping that we'll get good again and that he can really enjoy with his family and seeing one of his beloved clubs do well. He's really excited, hopefully, for that to soon happen. And I'm really happy that he talks so great about the fire and Bayern Munich and his past. He's not some guy who's like, oh, is this a paycheck? I don't give a crap about the fire. But he talks about like how <laughs> he loved his time here. and I really enjoyed the interview, and it was great that they got to have him on. And One last thing about I want to discuss that has something to do with what we talked about a couple weeks ago on the program. He mentioned, they asked him about Raphael Chihus, the new German signing from Cologne, joining the fire. And they asked him, like, what are his thoughts as a pundit? Does he know about Raphael Chihus? Does he have some advice about his play style? And Bastian did. He talked about how he's a great left foot as a defenseman. He thinks it's going to be a great move. He he actually said that, quote, that it was a great signing by the fire bringing in Raphael. And that he thinks it's going to be a great change. It's going to definitely impact our back line and improve it big time with Raphael joining. And fun fact... Bastian said that he actually, during the interview, he was in Cologne during the interview. So it's just funny that they mentioned Raphael, who was from Cologne, and he was there too as of the interview. So that was kind of funny. And that's all you need to know about the interview. And if you want to look at Bastian Schweinsteiger's career, definitely he's on YouTube or MLS or Fire website highlights of his successful time in MLS for sure I don't think there would not be and if you want to learn more about the new signing Raphael Chius there was an interview on the Intercontinental Football Show and we also on our podcast had a rundown of his career and our excitement level of Raphael joining us so thank you for listening to this Chicago Fire FC talk I'm getting pumped up because the preseason is starting relatively soon, next month. Looks like it's going to begin. And the season's not that far away. March, we're going to be going. I'm excited. And pivoting for the fire, we're going to pivot to the Red Stars, because that's our other, one of our big ones on here. And the Red Stars still have not named a new head coach. We don't have a new head coach yet. But they are feelers out. They're looking they're doing their research, their due diligence to find out man or woman who can be the next head coach of the Chicago Red Stars. Preferably in a change, I would say something, someone that could relate to them would be uh, a female coach. No, I agree. Um, you know, time for a change, you know, take a chance on. Why not? Um, and especially, it's been an issue in the league to yeah. include uh, more women because not even half of their coaches ever since Fred Coombe left um, are any um, of women representation. So, I mentioned that because there's been a lot of issues with the men coaches in the league, so I'm saying maybe more women representation would be good, this yeah, is my opinion. That would be a start to a revolution in coaching. And there are many very successful women coaches out there who would be great addition to the Chicago Red Correct. Stars as head coach. Could be former players. Oh, yeah. Could be established College coaches. College coaches can join the fold as well. 
international coaches. There's, there's oh, a lot of good sure. international coaches. There's a good reason why they like to bring in international players. So that could be the same thing for coaches. And uh, yeah, and we're, just, we're ready for it. <laughs> preseason for the Red Stars is probably going to be great pretty soon. And the regular season schedule has not been announced yet, but we'll definitely let you know when the regular season matches are all out. And a change from last season is that this is from um, multiple podcasts I listened to. I talked about it and Athletic. That since there will be 12 teams in the league this season with the addition of San Diego Wave and uh, Angel City, yeah. each team is going to play one game on the road and one game on home against their club so a total of 22 matches will take place this season compared to 24 last season so 22 mm-hmm. oh. and only one at home one on the road against each club unlike last season where there was like three against some teams and two against others mm, so that's gonna be more um old school old school um revolving yeah, yeah. which could be good i mean the only bummer is, though, if we miss, like, for example, the Houston Dash game against the Red Stars, then we can't see them until next year. That's exactly That's right. That's a, a bummer. So we have to make sure to really dive into this or just get season tickets. You know? <laughs> True. <laughs> Which we would encourage at least to do to support. And, and the key is because you do save on, you know, everything and... The only thing is with parking um, being right. not included, uh, you get... Uh, about three which you know what does that really do just if you are there for the entire season but yeah I, I like how they're constantly improving and changing up the rules before it becomes too established and they they really do need to because of addition of all of the new clubs yeah such as the wave and finally i encourage you if you are a fan of, of soccer I really recommend, we're not affiliated with Chicago Fire or Chicago Red Stars in any way. I encourage you to start maybe following or, what, or at least try and get into the Fire and Red Stars. They're both a lot of fun, really enjoyable watching them. And I really feel following these two clubs compared to like, you know, the sexy names like Blackhawks, Bulls, Bears, like the big, big Chicago teams. These teams deserve some group. more support. And I think that would be great. That will be good for our city. Um, yeah. They definitely are the type that gives back. Um, I definitely could tell a multitude of stories of what they've done for me. And they've really basically, you know, give the shirt off their back. You know, like um, when you're at games, players do come up to you and, you yeah. know, give away things. And also, you know, some reps, like, came to my house. Um, they didn't do it this past year, but, like, during pandemic year in uh, Christmas 2020 uh, they hand delivered um, multiple gifts um, to me and, and my family uh, they, they gave me like they basically gave me cash in a way um, like in the form of um, gift cards and like certificates and everything like that um, not only is that like a thank you as a fan but like to give it to people in need and um, they do a lot of things um, for the community as well, and just also fun to watch on top of that. So, um, it's it's a good club, you know. It's a little bit, um, 
I don't want to use that T word, but like it's a little bit. We've been thrown off by you know all the allegations with the coach, um, the head coach. But I believe I don't believe that takes away um, from saying that they have like good ownership and um, as a club, yeah, they 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 give back so something I respect about them and the fire they're, they're about that that same thing so alright after the break so stay tuned for more with a special interview that I did with one of the longest tender guests we have here one of my best friends Ross Keanu came on to talk about Chicago Bears firing of Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace Gave his predictions for the NFL wildcard round. They're going to wow you with some of the picks he made. And also just ended with a discussion on the legacy of Cubs legend John Lester. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 90 of the Bullhawk Sports Show. I am CJ Hawk, joined by, for the fourth time on this podcast, the great insider, one of my best friends, Ross Keanu. Thank you for joining hey, hey, us, hey. Ross. Oh my gosh, this is my fourth time here? My gosh, that's awesome. Yeah, happy I looked 90th, it up. Yeah, happy 90th uh, episode. Yeah, I'm excited. My co-host, um, ben, DJ Bang the Bulls, excited too, especially for getting to 100. That's coming up pretty soon. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, more power to you guys. Well, thanks for joining us today. And the main topics that we're going to discuss, Ross, are about the Bears firing coach Matt Nagy and GM Ryan Pace, the NFL wildcard playoffs and you're going to give your score predictions and also we're going to end with talking about the legacy of John Lester. Okay. Let's start with talking about the firing of Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. What are your some of your thoughts on that? Man, I'm really, really sad that they got fired. I'm just kidding. No, I, <laughs> I, uh... You know, you know, I um, I wish, you know, I wish Matt Nagy really had like, you know, had a lot more, you know, success here, you know, and so like that first year that he he was here, I feel like that was more of a fluke, you know, because like that was still the team that uh, you know, Vic Fangio actually like, you know, constructed and him and uh, John Fox, right? That's right. So, you know, and I, I, you know, I feel, I feel really bad because, like, I think he really has some really good ideas. It's just that, uh, you know, um, I think mismanaging the draft, you know, you know, combination of that, but also just, you know, very conservative play calling, uh, people getting injured left and right. Uh, you know, it's tough. Like he, you know, he, he had a tough legacy uh, around here. You know. But I, I really do, like, I really believe in Matt Nagy. It's just, you know, it was just unfortunate. You know, it was it was unfortunate. You don't want to get, you don't want to see anyone get fired. But also at the same time, like, if um, there's just no, you know, continued success or, 
you know, like the the um, the same results or like you know this just the results are just really bad in general. You know, just it's time yeah, to go. So so that's kind of sad. But the thing that but uh, um but the one I'm kind of glad that you know that's out is you know the is is Ryan Pace. Like he just has a lot more misses than hits. You know, like drafting Kevin White, the wide oh. receiver. You know that was such a bad, bad move. And, you know, and then um, you know, like moving up one pick to get Mitch uh, Mitchell Trubisky. You know, like like I think uh, I think he got fleeced by John Lynch, the uh, the GM of uh, of San Francisco. You know, but anyway, like the uh, the, the people, the person that the San Francisco Forty anyway drafted at the at the at round. I mean at number three didn't also pan out but still you know like you know moving ahead one and moving up uh you know round picks and stuff that's kind of ridiculous you know so i am kind of happy to see him go um and uh you know i hope that Nagy gets another job somewhere because i think i i really think like he has he has the tools or he has the capacity to be another to be a good probably offensive coordinator for now i think he i think he could have benefited for a couple you know with a couple of years um yeah more experience you know, offensive, yeah because like so so like a lot of people are saying like why is eric binemi not getting a job right now but like i think i think andy reed or himself like he, i think he's trying to protect himself uh, you know from uh, you know being like one of those one and done coaches you know like i think he could use a few more years uh, you know, under Andy Reid and stuff, you know, like, there's a reason why Josh McDaniels also didn't quite pan out, like, the first time, the, you know, his first go as a, you know, head coach over in Denver. Yeah, Denver. Like, only uh, offensive coordinator for a little bit um, in New England, and then he took that job, and now I think he he's a little bit more hesitant to take a job, you know, um, just because, like, I mean, I don't know, like, working for Bill Belichick, I guess, you know, like, he could learn a, a few more stuff as an off- uh, you know, uh, offensive coordinator and then venture out and stuff. So, anyway, like, I guess my point is trying to say that maybe Matt Nagy could have used a few more years under Andy Reid and stuff, but he was a hot name at that time. And so, like, I, it's completely understood, understandable for the Bears to uh, to grab him in. And I think the buzz before was, like, people were generally excited. Even the fans were very excited that we are getting Matt Nagy because he, you know, like Andy Reid's offense are generally a high-powered offense, you know. So, um, so yeah, but just it just didn't pan out. So I feel bad, but yeah, I mean, you know, hopefully we get good coaches. So yeah, I agree. I remember at the time when Matt Nagy was the front runner for the head coaching position, I was really excited because he had a lot of success with Alex Smith and um, yeah, in Kansas City. Remember too, like you know, his offense is tailored towards what Andy Reid wants. Right. You know, so, you know, Andy Reid, even if it's you know, um, you know, quote unquote Matt Nagy's offense, it is still through the system that Andy Reid established. You know, so, um, and Andy Reid, for the most part, I believe, like he 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 runs quite a bit of like tight end, you know, formations and stuff, and the Bears haven't really had any good tight ends, you know? So we, we again, like, you know, again, Adam Shaheen, like, that's Oof. a very bad flop. 
of a draft. So I, th- I think he's still playing, but... No. Huh? Sorry? <laughs> I think he's still playing. Yeah, I know. He is, I believe, he's in Buffalo Bills. So. I believe he's in the Bills. So. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, we haven't had a... Uh, Travis Kelsey or George Kittle type, like a excellent tight end here. Yeah. You know what? No, I I uh, I miss uh, misspoke. I don't know where Adam Shane is. I you know um I looked at the uh, Buffalo Bills roster. He's not there, so oh, I okay. have no idea. Yes. Somewhere. Or yeah. retired. I saw him play. No, um, I think maybe Miami, Miami Dolphins. I think. You know, yeah, I think that's where he is. So, yeah. Yeah, that sounds believable. Adam Sheen. Yep, he's there. <laughs> okay. All right, and now transferring. What is Who is one name as coach and GM that you most want us to pick up? Okay, so I've been, you know, I've been following some of the blogs uh, that people wrote to and stuff, and uh, there's one name that I'm, you know, I got a little bit curious uh, on. Um, I don't know if you've heard of, you know, of of, uh, of this name, like, uh, you know, getting circulated around, but Leslie Frazier. So he, you know, the one, uh, he is the, uh, the Buffalo Bills defensive coordinator who once played for the 85 Bears. Right. So, so that's going to be, you know, like, yeah, so that's exciting, but, you know, I don't know, we'll see, like, is the direction that the Bears need to happen, or you know, like, you know, you know, Matt Nagy is supposedly an offensive uh, guy and stuff. Like, do we need to revert back to like the monsters of the midway again necessarily, or you know, like that tradition should be kind of, uh, you know, um, you know, kind of, uh, you know, dampened a little bit, right? Like, I mean, I, I, as much as I would love to have a defensive coach, defensive coaches don't really last very long in the NFL. So, um, so like, you know, right now, um, where the NFL is heading, we need more offense because more offense tends to generate more excitement. More excitement means more fans, right? So, um, I, you know, I, you know, I don't mind if they, they hire him, but, uh, like I, you know, um, I would even maybe like, you know, like what we talked about before, you know, like. Um, you know Brian Flores um, be the the new head coach here, or you know, or I I don't mind Doug Peterson, um, you know, coming up here again. You know? So or even Jim Caldwell. So like those guys, I think uh, stuff. But I think Jim Caldwell is already linked uh, somewhere else, and you know who knows about Brian Flores and stuff. You know, but yeah, I you know I I would I would I would love to have a a fairly offensive minded coach to come here to uh, you know to come in chicago um and uh you know and continue to um uh train uh, justin fields a lot or have a defensive minded coach um you know head coach and then bring in someone uh, that could uh you know that could um utilize the uh you know the full power of, uh, of justin fields you know so like oh, no. so like for example like doug peterson um as the uh, offensive coordinator would be probably super cool, um, uh, you know, as the offensive coordinator of the Bears. And as far as GM, you know, I really don't know. Um, you know, as long as, like, they know football and they, they know, 
you know, like how to manage a roster. You yeah, know, like, I agree. That would be great. So, like somebody that that will get along with the coach. So whoever the GM drafts, uh, whoever the GM, whoever is the, the next GM, I'm sure like he will take his own guy as the coach. Oh yeah. So, um, so you know, yeah, we'll see. I mean, like. I would love to say, like, I, you know, I, I, I've watched ESPN quite a bit, um, you know, NFL Live, stuff like that, and whenever Louis Riddick uh, comes on, comes in the air, like, I really like his input and stuff. So, who knows if, you know, his being, uh, you know, TV personality savviness would translate to GM office type of thing, you know? So, um, I don't mind giving him a chance, but at the same time, like, it would be nice for this franchise to have someone you know, that knows what they're doing or know or and, and knows what they're talking about. So then like we can get out of this, you know, stupid rut that we've been in, you know. Um just we're just not consistent, you know, like we're always like token mediocrity group, you know? So yeah. Yeah, I agree. That I've looked at some possible GM candidates that I've seen floated around and there's some that I think could be good here. Like for example, the coats Colts assistant GM Ed Dodds or also um also have the coach Marco Brown and those are some right. possible options. But. Yeah, there's also even like rumors that they are looking into the Cleveland Browns uh um you know uh you know like player personnel people, you know, because like you know, as much as like it's been tough out there in Cleveland this year, they actually have a had a very good formula for a while. It's just People are getting injured left and right, you know. So, but for you know, for the most part, I feel like their you know their drafts have been uh, have been hits, you know, uh, like what what the Cleveland Browns are doing. So, um, I don't remember the name, but like yeah, so there's a couple of people in the in the Cleveland's uh, Cleveland Browns uh, front office that the Bears are thinking about considering. So, um, at least that's what I've read from from some sources um, online. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, let's transition now to talking about the NFL wildcard playoffs this weekend and your score predictions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so let's start with um, the Cincinnati Bengals against Las Vegas Raiders, okay? So I uh, I saw this, you know, really cool um meme the other day um about the Bengals. okay so like so the meme goes like nobody in human history has ever sent a text message about the Bengals winning a playoff game because <laughs> the Bengals' last playoff win was 1991 yeah it's all the first text message sent was 1992 oh my so, gosh i know right so then so then with that in mind i um, so the the uh, the Cincinnati Bengals is favored by five and a half, um, and the uh, the over under is about forty eight and a half points. So I predict, you know. So here's the thing: it's like the Raiders are are kind of a dark horse right now. Like the uh, you know that coach right there. Like I you know I hope the Oakland Raiders. I mean Oakland Raiders. The Las Vegas Raiders. Like you know, make that interim coach their head coach because he's actually a very likable guy. Yeah, he is. He, he knows what he's doing and stuff, you know, and and for him to take over 
you know, that mess um, that John Gruden uh, left, he actually did a pretty good job, you know, and um, and then the Raiders and the Cincinnati uh, and the Bengals, they actually have the same record. So, um, so, but um, I'm kind of picking the Raiders here and, and just keep continuing the misery. You know, I'm sorry, Bengals fans, I don't know... You know, I don't know. I, I don't. I have no uh, ties to Cincinnati, so I am going to pick Las Vegas on this one. And I think, and um, and uh, yeah, Las Vegas will uh, will uh, probably score. I don't know, twenty eight, twenty eight, twenty one. You know, so certainly you go like yeah, I'm. You know, yeah. So like just right there in the over. Uh, well, you know, the, uh, the over under for the total points, but I'm I'm picking the Las Vegas Raiders to uh, to score an upset against the the Bengals. Um, yeah, what do you think, Colin? <laughs> I don't think there's that like coaching wise, Zach Taylor. I don't think he's very good, but I don't know a ton about the Raiders head coach yet because he's an interim coach and so new. Yeah, and the Raiders do have holes on defense and especially if Jamar Chase can go off for the Bengals and some of the more of their other weapons that can right. definitely hurt the Raiders secondary and right. I don't think yeah. it's going to be a blowout I think it's going to be a high scoring close one I'm going to go with that I trust Joe Burrow a little bit more than Derek Carr at the moment okay. so I'm going to say 28, 25 Bengals. Wow. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and then we got the Buffalo Bills at New England Patriots. Oh, I mean, uh, sorry, uh, New England at Buffalo Bills. So this one is weird because, like, you know, they split their regular season and stuff. And... Uh, um, you know, so who knows what Bill Belichick is going to employ? Yeah, like, who knows? You know, I'm sorry? I said who knows. Yeah, who knows, right? It's like the first time that they played, I mean, because of like also the bad weather, you know, um, the uh, the New England Patriots just ran the, the crap out of the ball. <laughs> and then I think Mac Jones like threw for 14 yards or something like that, you know, so something ridiculous like that, so something insane. Um so who knows, but, you know, I don't know. I uh, I think this is where New England's magic kind of stops, uh, you know, and, and I think the Buffalo Bills will take care of business at home. So, I, I mean, they should. Like, I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, it's just sad, sad if, if Buffalo Bills lose at home. But I, I could see that happening, but I just, you know, I, uh, I'm, you know, like I can see that. Happen. I won't be surprised if that happens, but I think I'm, you know, like, I think Buffalo Bills will take care of business at home. Um, and then for score-wise, I think um, the the over/under is about forty-four points here. I think uh, you know, the, I think it'll be. I think, I think it'll be you know, I think the Bills are going to score at least thirty points, and I'm not sure about the the Bills, but I mean, uh, uh, the Patriots, but I think they're gonna go over 43, uh, 44 points total. So. Um, so that's my prediction for that one. Um, the Kansas City, the Pittsburgh and Kansas City, I think this is, you know, uh, Ben Roethlisberger's last game. Um, now, I think Kansas City is going to to smack um, the Steelers. Yeah, I agree. 
Steelers fans. Uh, but yeah, Kansas City is favored by 12 and a half. Um, so I, I don't. I, I think the Steelers are going to cover that. But I think the the game will be maybe like a touchdown or maybe like you know. I think Kansas City will win by 10. But I think the over under is 46 and a half, and I, I think that's going to be a lot more. I think both of these teams are going to score a lot. Maybe the Steelers might show Kansas City's vulnerabilities. So we'll see. Like uh, you know, Steelers are fairly good. Uh, you know, it's a very good team to like expose people's weaknesses and stuff. So, um, so the uh, the other AFC teams will take note uh, take note on what you know what Kansas City does. Um, the worst on so so yeah but i think i think Kansas city will you know will be pittsburgh by at least 10 points and then over in, in the nfc man okay so like this is kind of like my upset alert i think san francisco against dallas i think san francisco i so i i you know i don't believe in dallas um um and um i i believe San Francisco's secret weapon Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel are going to uh, wreck um, Dallas and stuff, you know. So Dallas will be, I'm, you know, I'm sorry, Dallas fans. And uh, I actually, I mean, I enjoy, I enjoyed uh, my time in Dallas when I was on vacation. But I think you got, you know, Dallas is gonna get exposed on how really not super good they are and. I don't believe in Dak Prescott, so I'm so, so I'm, I'm you know like, I don't know I might I might be you know one of the minority uh, on this, but I just don't believe in him, you know. Um, you know if they don't, you know if um, let's see here if they if they beat San Francisco, I think you know like they got you know Tampa Bay will take care of business, uh, you know and 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 destroy Dallas. So I don't know. What do you think about that? Like that was a, that one is a tough pick for me because like. I really don't like Dallas. San Francisco is, you know, I mean, is Garoppolo playing or, um, or um, you know, or is he injured I, or, you know, I, or is yeah. it, uh, Lance, is, is he is he playing um, on Sunday? From what I've heard, it sounds like it will be Jimmy G. Garoppolo will be starting this game. Okay. But this is the one I've had trouble with because... Like, my head says, well, the Cowboys are a better team. But then I'm like, my gut's like, I don't know. Should I go up to 49ers instead? Yeah, the thing is, like, they're a better team. My, my gosh. But, like, that's, you know, six easy wins against, uh, you know, the NFC East. Yeah. Know? So, and... you know, yeah, on, on paper, on record, they are, you know, some. But, you know, other than, like, who do they beat that is, you know, uh, let's see here. Like, let's look at the schedule real quick. Like, I mean, so you know, fine. They beat the Chargers, but the Chargers, they're so inconsistent. They beat, else, uh, they beat New England Patriots, but uh, you know, you know, you know, uh, you know, again, rookie quarterback, right? Uh, so they lost against Denver. You know, they lost against Vegas. Uh, you know, Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, so who else did they beat? They lost to Arizona, you know. So yeah, so like that's the stuff. It's like I don't, I just don't believe in them, you know. So they they beat the teams that they need to beat, but then the ones that they lost to, like I was like, well, I can see why they lost there because you know they're a better team, you know. So yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so yeah. It's hard for me to believe on Dallas. So I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Dallas fans. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm looking at the 49ers schedule, and the 49ers, a lot of their wins were against, like, the bottom dweller types, like Jaguars, Texans. Yeah, it'll, yeah it's pretty much the same thing, too, you know. The only good team that the 49ers really beat that like they beat the Bengals, which was a good one in overtime, and they also they beat. The Rams, so the, they, you know, that was yeah, they swept the Rams. Yeah, they swept the Rams. So. So those are their good ones. Dude, they beat the Bears, and the Bears were good. Oh yeah, the Bears were like really good this year. <laughs> oh man, they beat the Bengals. So. Right. Yeah. Overtime. Yeah. Overtime. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know, but uh. You know, we'll see. Like, you know, which Ezekiel Elliott is going to show up in Dallas, right. and you know, which uh, you know, like, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know, yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. I I think if it's a barn burner, like a high scoring affair, I would lean Cowboys. But I think if it's like closer, lower scoring, I would lean Forty ers Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right, buddy. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, and then um, let's see here. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to predict that. You know, Dallas is favored. See, here we go. Like, Dallas is favored by three. Yeah, so only three. Is, I'm sorry. Only three. Yeah, only three. And then the over/under is 50, 50 and a half points. So they're predicting a fairly high-scoring game. I think it could go either way, but I, um, right now I my feeling is towards the 49ers. Um, I'm going to go, like, say, 27-23, 27-21, or something like that, you know? Like, you know, something like that, you know? So, like, just under the over-under. I don't think it's going to be quite the stuff, but I, I, you know, I really think that uh, Kyle Shanahan has something cooked up um, to uh, to expose Dallas, you know, and and how much of a fraud they are. And, uh, you know, and but, but here's the thing. It's like, if Dallas wins and blows, uh, you know, 49ers out of the water I would also not be the least surprised so maybe you know like they are <laughs> they are just more superior team against the 49ers on paper but you know like the uh, um, the quality of victories I guess like I still think that the 49ers squad the quality of victory is you know cause like I mean 49ers check this out too like there, there are three teams in that conference NFC West that went you know that are in the playoffs right now so it's a very competitive division, whereas Dallas, I mean, sure, Dallas and Philadelphia came, you know, got it, but we talked about this, right? In the NFC, if you, you know, like anybody of anyone can get in the, the playoffs, right? Yeah. So, like, yeah. So Minnesota Vikings, Vikings could have made the playoffs. Uh, so, and see how terrible they are because this NFC is just terrible, you know? So. Oh, yeah. That. The Vikings had a chance to go to the playoffs like second to last week, but that, then they fell apart. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So, but, but, you know, like, you know, you can, you know, uh, just just goes to show that if you have at least nine wins, you probably will get in in the in the NFC, right? Let's see here. Like, see, like the Eagles, for example, they're nine and eight, and they made the playoffs. Yep. You know, right? Well, yeah. Nine, Miami is nine and eight, and they they didn't make the playoffs. Chargers are nine and eight; they didn't make the playoffs. You know, the 
Colts are nine and eight, and they didn't even make the playoffs. For, you know, in the AFC. So, right? Yeah. It just tough. So yeah. Um, let's see here. Yeah. So, um, so now going to uh, stuff like LA Rams against Arizona Cardinals. Oh my gosh, I have no idea. Like I really, oh. really like the, the the Cardinals just because. Uh, so I had James Conner in my fantasy football and. I rode him to victory and stuff, you know. So, um, but in like the last couple of weeks, um, was terrible, uh, you know. But uh, like I was able to pick up other guys. But James Conner was a revelation and it was awesome, you know. Um, so I, you know, I don't know if he's healthy enough and you know he'll survive the, you know, um, you know the the Rams. But here's the thing: is Matthew Stafford, my Matthew Stafford, you know. So I. Um, I, this is a tough game to, you know, the Rams are only favored by four. Um, so, I don't know, man. This is a tough one, too, because, like, Matthew Stafford, man, like, that guy, that guy can, can, can make the other team score in a, in a hurry, you know? <laughs> right. So, yeah, like, it's like, wow, Matthew Stafford threw an interception, you know, surprise, surprise. It's like, he's like, my, it's like Mike Glennon, Oof. you know, like like upgraded version of Mike Glennon, you know. <laughs> so, so yeah. So I just don't trust my Matthew Stafford in the playoffs. So here's because like, you know, yeah. So I don't know what I don't know what um, the Rams are gonna do so that they can mitigate his, uh, you know, his weaknesses and stuff. Like, you know, the Rams don't really have a a good running game so we'll see dude like i you know yeah maybe like they'll spread them out and just uh, you know uh, have odell and cooper cup and then uh the tight end i don't remember the, the time everett i think uh you know just go off a little bit you know so i don't know who knows we'll see but if 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 there is something if there's you know if there's a team that has an edge it should be the Rams on defense, you know. So like, yeah, you know, maybe like the Rams will carry the defense and stuff. But you know, we'll see. You know, so um, I still predict the Rams will win. I th- I still think that the Rams is going to win by four, but it'll be tight. You know, it'll be tight because like, you know, who knows? Who knows? Like, what kind of Kyler Murray we're gonna get? You know, so. Yeah, I agree. I don't like the Rams as a fan, so I don't want to choose them, but. I don't know how Carl Murray is going to show up in the playoffs. I don't really trust Cliff Kingsbury a ton. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I like Sean McVay as a coach better, and the Rams' defense is better. And Matthew Stafford, I don't think he needs to be like Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers type good to get them the W. I think he just needs to make little mistakes and at least get points on the board. Right, right, yeah. No, I agree. I'm gonna choose the Rams, but I don't know. Yeah, here's the, here's the thing too. It's like the Rams are so good and stuff, but why are they number four? You know, why are they fourth seed? You know, so like I mean, there's a reason why they're the fourth seed. So anyway, and then uh, finally, Tampa Bay against Philadelphia. I, you know, I will be super shocked if Tampa Bay loses this game. They are favored by eight and a half, so that's that's pretty good, but they should take care of business against Philadelphia, you know, so, um, I just, uh, you know, yeah, I don't see Philadelphia winning, uh, you know, even by, you know, like, so, I don't know, 
hopefully hopefully Tampa Bay covers but I think they will cover and I think they will uh they will uh you know rate it on uh the the Eagles and stuff so yeah like those are my predictions so, so yeah I, yeah I, know I didn't give uh, you know uh, like points on, on some of oh them. no that's fine yeah. I, I agree with you I don't think the Eagles have a shot I think they're of all these games they're probably the one I would least expect to win All right, let's transition to the final topic for today's um, interview, and that is the legacy of John Lester. Oh, man, I know. Uh, when you gave me that homework to, to uh, you know, to talk about that like that, you know, like I, you know, I was, uh, you know, I was like, yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm happy that, uh, um, you know, like, you know, I'm happy. Like, I'm happy to have seen him play. Like, me too. Uh, you know, I enjoyed watching him. Uh, you know, um, I've seen quite a bit of home games from the Cubs that you know, like when when he started. It's just, it's just so much fun to watch. You know, like he's just really good. You know, like his pace is good. Um, you know, like the way that he, uh, you know, just like his, you know, his pitches were just, I don't know, it's really awesome. Um, so. Um, I'm glad that he played for two of my favorite teams. You know, he played for the Red Sox and he played for the Cubs. Like, so those two are are my two favorite, um, you know, ball, uh, you know, uh, ball clubs. And um, yeah, I, I, um, you know, I, I will never forget. You know, especially the two, uh, 2016, uh, cha- you know, um, you know, uh, uh, championship uh, games. You know, um, he started game one. Um, and then he started game four, and then he, uh, yeah, right. Like he started game one. He was the, he was the opening guy, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He should be. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So he he lost game one, which is which was sad because like he gave up um, two, I think like two right away in the first inning and stuff. But otherwise, like he, he pitched fine. It's just the the offense of uh, the Chicago. Of the of Chicago Cubs during that first game was weird, you know. It's like I don't think they. I mean, they like they. Yeah, I think I think I think the the Cubs got blanked. Yeah, we got shut out. Yeah, we got shut out. And then he pitched again on. Uh, uh, is it game five? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he pitched on game five, and they won. And he, I, I, I thought like that was a a, a nice uh, game. And then, and then he was a relief pitcher on, you know, in game seven. Oh my gosh. Like that was a, a very, very fun, like, you know, um, what, you know, what he did like during that, uh, relief pitching because like he shut down, uh, you know, people and stuff, yeah. you know, so, um, but yeah, um, uh, yeah, um, I think, uh, that was, uh, yeah, I will always remember him. Like he's super, he's always like. One of the super like nice guys in the in the team, and you know, um, off the I'm field. Glad that, uh, you know, I'm glad that uh, he won three World Series, I believe. Yeah, three World Series, two from Boston and then one in Chicago. You know, so yeah, I, I you know, um, and him, and then he, I, I actually was just reading about this. Like, he was going through. Uh, he had like, you know, like he had cancer. He, he did, was, like, yeah. Cancer, you know, right. So yeah, so um, yeah, so I uh, I will always uh, 
like yeah, I will always. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 you know, I'm glad that he retired. Hopefully, the the you know the the Cubs like retire his numbers too. I, I'm I'm sure he would. They should, right? and and you Boston know? for sure. Right. Yeah. And then um, I, I I'm I'm pretty sure like he will uh, you know get inducted into the Hall of Fame like it he should you know so yeah he should get, he should get into the Hall of Fame he has he has three World Series rings and you know five time so, All Star yeah. yeah yeah so yeah yeah. Uh, yeah yeah thanks for talking about John Lester and I, I agree with what you said he he was one of my favorite pitchers and I've always been partial to lefties because i'm lefty too and okay uh i can't forget when he was signed with the cubs i was so thrilled i was so happy i was like oh my gosh john lester's coming to the cubs and then he helped us go to the playoffs and won that elusive world series and i'll never forget him in uh, chicago and also he helped boston get those elusive world series rings as too as well and that was huge Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, he started, uh, you know, he also went to the Cardinals. Well, so sure, like, but... <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but he was already, like, towards the tail end. Of his yeah. Like, like, that was, like, his last year and, and stuff, you know, and, you know, so bad. But anyway, like, you know, like, he's still, uh, uh, you know, uh, if he, if he, if he would have been, like, you know, like, still, like, you know, could play, like, I know he would play still, you know, so. All right, yeah. Ross, do you have any, any final thoughts about anything before you want to sign off? No, I, um, I just, uh, you know, like, now that I live in Utah, um, I just want to say, like, you know, um, good luck, you know, Chicago sports and Chicago nation in general. Um, you guys have, uh, you know, I've, uh, you know, I've been in, you know, I, I, I lived in Chicago from, you know, uh, 2000, like, you know, pretty much straight from 2004 until, you know, until just 2020, uh, until 2021. So I, uh, yeah, like, you know, um, you guys will always have my heart and I, uh, I have the ESP, I have the Chicago ESPN 1000 radio, uh, ESPN 1000 app. Oh, that's like, great. Also, like, I would, I, uh, I will always, like, listen to sports talk you know from chicago because i love that town i, I will I, you know i will i will miss that town my heart always belongs to chicago i will represent the chicago cubs and, and bulls and the bears here wherever i go um maybe maybe the blackhawks so i need to get into the the, the uh, uh you know uh <laughs> the blackhawks and stuff so but i you know i i uh you know i they're in my radar um but yeah like you know i just yeah just want to say like you know i you know, good luck with everything, and I hope um, Chicago gets more championship. You know, especially the Bears. Like I want them to win so so bad, and I hope like I can. You know, um, you know, it's like 1985. I was still in the Philippines, and I, you know, I heard about the Chicago Bears, obviously. You know, but you know, I, you know, yeah, like I enjoyed, you know, watching football, and so I wish and I hope. Chicago Bears get can get a championship, uh, you know, after all these years. So yeah, and uh, yeah, um, that's about it. Like I, I, I always enjoy being in this podcast. So um, you know, invite me anytime, and I'll be more than happy to uh, to talk sports. So sounds oh, good. By the way, um, March 16, I believe uh, the U, um, the Chicago Bulls will be here at the at the at Utah uh, playing the Utah Jazz here. Oh. 
felt like. So I'm going to try to go to that game and cheer for the Chicago Bulls. So, so all right. So, yeah, so I'm going to try to make enemies out of uh, people here in Utah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, thanks, Dalton. I appreciate thanks, Ross. It. Bye. Okay, have a nice day. You guys be safe and uh, stay warm out there in Chicago, guys. Okay. That was my best friend Ross Keanu joining the Bullhawk Sports Show. We covered a multitude of topics ranging from the Chicago Bears firing of Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. Ross gave his NFL wildcard round predictions for all of the games, which include Cincinnati Bengals versus Las Vegas Raiders, New England Patriots versus Buffalo Bills, Pittsburgh Steelers versus Kansas City Chiefs, LA Rams versus Arizona Cardinals, Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus Philadelphia Eagles, and very excited to, and also, yep, 49ers versus Cowboys. So thank you, Ross. Great time talking about those topics. And stay tuned for more coverage of our Chicago sports and other sports topics here on the Bulldog Sports Show. DJ Benny Bull, I have a lot of stuff to discuss and cover in the upcoming days. We have one very exciting segment that most likely will either be in 90 or 91 which has to do with the spotlight segment where we look at a past NBA player who might not be as well known that had an impact on either us, the sport itself, or in life in general. And we'll look at them, discuss their career, and discuss some of our favorite moments that they participated in. And we'll give um, overall, like, a rating of them and what we fought. So thank you. Stay tuned for more on the Walk Sports Show. CJ Hawk signing off. This is your main event. For episode 90 of the program and we have a very special part to discuss as part of 90 so we will finally start as let me introduce to you the very first of its kind the legends spotlight NBA edition featuring Muggsy Bogues. So, a little bit about Muggsy, also known as Tyrone Muggsy Bogues. He is popularly referred to as Muggsy because of a nickname that he had developed back in the day when he would play different sports and so his family and friends I'll call him that and also uh, developed when he started playing basketball because of the 
the word itself uh, to mug someone, you know, to steal, um, steal the ball away. And so that's where Muggsy came about. And so that stuck and it's become his name uh, going forward as he entered his career in the NBA. So we're very proud to spotlight someone who is not in the Hall of Fame, shockingly. Although we must say the origins of why we chose him is because we really got to learn more about him through playing video games. <laughs> yes. Um, ben and I, DJ Ben and Bull and I created a classic on NBA 2K17 classics tournament of like old legend teams. And two of the teams we chose on the tournament were the 99-2000 Raptors with Muggsy Bogues and the 92-93 Charlotte Hornets with Muggsy Bugs. So we played a lot of with Muggsy. That's right. He was incredible to play with, and he did act like a giant as he is, and we, we thought that he was uh, taller um, than, than we first. We were shocked when we saw the actual number, um, and so that's just to show how impactful he is as a player and later we'll discuss him as a person too but um so now we get into more into depth as we spotlight Muggsy so we watched a very eye-opening and inspirational documentary uh, for Muggsy, uh, this is part of the 75th anniversary of the NBA celebration. So, the Basketball Stories series came out with Muggsy Always Believe. And this aired on NBA TV. It was their project. And it premiered back uh, last year in November, November 20th. And I myself, I recorded and, uh, uh, you know, wanted to watch it back. I, I knew that this was impactful. But it was funny that we were saying that we played as him in 2K, in 2K17. Because we, as we were playing with him, we were, trying to, we were coming up with this um, new um, part for the show and we wanted to shine a light on players that are not so well known. They are well known, but they are not too like, you know, worldwide. Not Michael Jordan, LeBron James type. Yep, ask. So we thought that would be perfect. We're just playing around, um, as you would in the game, just just shouting things out and saying his name more. Um, we just enjoyed playing him in the game. And so what happens? There's an announcement coming out that NBA TV special Muggsy Always Believe comes out, and it's so ironic. So that was more of a reason why we we picked him to shine light on. So the premise is that he defied the odds on his journey to becoming the shortest player to ever play in the NBA. You heard that right, folks. He is the shortest player 
in NBA history. Um, he might be short, but he's mighty, and which is why I said he is inspiration. Muxy came out of Baltimore, Maryland. He was born there, and he grew up there. Went to high school in Baltimore, Dunbar High School, where he had met his teammates in uh, future NBA stars as well. Reggie Williams, David David Wingate, and Reggie Lewis. And him and his teammates went on a massive win streak during Muggsy's junior and senior years. 59 and 0 during their time there at Dunbar. He went on to have also a good career. Um, some one that came after him, CP3, also went there. He went to Wake Forest University. Yeah, North Carolina. Yeah. He has been retired. His number retired at Wake Forest in 01. He was inducted in the Wake Forest Sports Hall of Fame. And as of this year, he remains Wake Forest Stephen Deacon's all-time leader in assists and steals. Oh, yes. I can say that again. He averaged 11.3 points, 8.4 assists, 3.1 steals per game. That's right. And he is what you have defined as a perfect player in his position, as he is a point guard to to your shock. <laughs> Surprise, yeah. Um, So that's what he did. But he acted like, you know, he was everywhere. (laughs) As um, Stacey King would say, oh, there's like 10 Muggsies out there, you know, like he's everywhere. And he he was such a good passer, which is why he was successful. And um, and so, yeah, part of Wake Forest, um, he comes from... Um, quite a rough background um, Baltimore his neighborhood he um, I guess we could dive into the always believe portion um, that we watched and so yeah he came from a rough background you know um, and he really climbed the ranks uh, he really got into basketball because he wanted to get away from that um, still playing street ball but like he got into school and as we said, um, so he stayed out of trouble in that way. Um, had some hardships, you know, he didn't come from like a rich, uh, you know, background or anything. So he made something out of himself for his family and um, for him. And so that's, that's the part that's inspirational for him as a person, um, not only for his height, but like he can do a lot more and um, that he has a lot of hearts. Um, probably one of the one of the players that had, you know, the most heart out there, we can say that with confidence. So let's get into his uh, anything more to take away from his uh, young career or his beginnings. Or something you enjoyed from yeah it talks about uh going to wake forest and the impact that uh being on wake forest had on his future career and his uh being drafted in 1987 by the rhode island 
goals right. <laughs> of the United States Basketball League. And after that, he then was drafted in the NBA, which is where his NBA journey begins. That's right. And before we get there, he has a background. He actually um, excelled at, well, at least he, he, he did get involved in other sports, such as wrestling and right. baseball growing up too so you know that was going to be the path and the the actual origins of his nickname which became his name um as a kid playing on the playgrounds um is af- named after he was named after the diminutive character from the bowery boys <laughs> so that's from the same name and so he Originally received scholarships to play for different schools, such as Penn State, Seton Hall, Virginia, ultimately going with Wake Forest and becoming a legend from there. And that landed him into the 1987 NBA draft. And he was selected by none other than a mythical team that many might not know today known as the Washington Bullets now Washington Wizards but in the 80s still the Bullets and he was a first round pick as he was selected number 12 overall yeah and he was part of a draft class that includes legends such as Dave Robson Admiral Wedgie Miller Scotty Pippen and Kevin Johnson. Oh, yes. That influence right there. Um, a lot of good matchups um, with, with those talents. And so he he made his um, official debut as NBA season begins traditionally in October and November. On November 6, 1987, against the Atlanta Hawks. And I want to mention this. We mentioned earlier that he's the shortest player in NBA history at 5'3". Well, at the time he was drafted on the Bullets, there was a teammate, Montu Bull, who was 7'7". I wonder if he has connections with Bull, though. Who was the tallest player at the time in the NBA. And Sudanese-American. Appeared on multiple magazine covers together with shortest and tallest players in the NBA at the time. Correct. Is he the dad of Montubo? I'm trying to Bo-bo? think that it is. It's like what we said about Horace he might, Grant. He, he might not be. And this. Jeremy Grant. Oh, not. <laughs> oh, not related. It didn't say up there, but I will uh, take a quick look. Oh, there it is. Uh, well, first, first child, Ajok, and then another son, Bobo. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. What are the chances? High chances. <laughs> Yeah, he spoke Arabic and and uh, Dinka before he mastered English, actually. But yeah, he um, actually passed away a long time ago. Quite, quite young. Yeah, so wow, look at all these connections, you know, later on. Um, I guess we would jump ahead uh, with his influence, you know, when he was in the NBA. He really was able to kickstart you know coach um since he was around uh 
other legendary players such as Del Curry, which we'll get into more. But, um, his son, or sons rather, uh, Steph and Seth Curry were always around Muggsy. So um, a making of a good player, you know, the blueprint they learned from Muggsy. So I thought that was a nice touch to the doc where they spotlighted that as we are right now with him. So yeah, yeah, really influencing the future of the NBA and um, and Steph Curry is no is not a giant either, so he really um, took that to the you know to the next gen. So yeah, Manu Bull, who is also not as well known too, who would have thought that would create a son that would be you know a player today. So. Instantly, I thought first the name and then also like the height. I was yeah, like, yeah, okay, it sense. makes sense that there would be bull bull. So going back, uh, he had a good rookie campaign with the Bullets. After that, he was left unprotected in the expansion draft, which the Short Hornets entered the league, and they picked up uh, Muggsy Bogues. So he was selected by the Hornets in the expansion draft. Speaking of, yeah, speaking of family, uh, ironically, uh, the Bullets coach was gone and replaced by Wes Unseld Sr. Oh, that's what. Yeah, so um, he only played 14 games as a rookie, and he led the Bullets in both steals and assists. So he is everywhere as he finally landed in what would become um he would become a franchise of and one that you know popularized you know uh, made the team successful in the charlotte hornets yes uh of course when expansion team enters the league often they're not good most of the time expansion teams struggle which makes sense but they struggled to begin his career there with Muggsy on the bench. But overall, as you know, if you watch NBA and especially with the 90s, the Hornets did get good when they drafted Alonzo Mourning and Larry Johnson. And eventually Doug Curry. Yeah. Was already in the league. They got those guys yeah. in the early 90s and it started getting good and an interesting thing, Muggsy, very popular among basketball fans and the Hornets were as well. So a lot of people were big fans of the short point guard. Yep, he is he is be- better, if not best remembered for his time in Charlotte. That's where I think of him as. That's correct. Yeah, it's part of the Hornets. So yeah, he he played, ended up playing ten legendary seasons um, as the leader of the team. And uh, to sum it up, uh, fourth playoff berths. And they had a lot of cool moments as part of it as we got to kind of live out ourselves, but play as um, that wonderful squad in 2K17. So we, we got a feel of, of how good they were. And Del Curry, a monster with the threes. Um, and, Just like his sons. Yeah, that's right. And like fire like sun, and yeah, Muggsy 
he is a monster out there. As I said, he plays as if he is a giant and such a wonderful passer. All those things that were shown with him, like no look passes and um, just just a wonderful ball handler, point guard. And so, yeah, he um, were there times where he, he would dunk, too. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, dunk the I don't know. Time, but rarely. I don't think, so. I don't think <laughs> he dunk. Yeah, but he was also an assist, you know, monster as well. So. Yes, so his career ended in 97 with the Hornets. And at the time, we have to mention Bugsy did struggle a lot with knee injuries. That was one of his uh, issues. He had to get a lot of knee surgeries, and he had chronic knee issues. And after his time in um, Charlotte, he joined the Golden State Warriors Ooh. in 1997. And he led the team in assists during the lockout year. Right. And after that, he went to... Probably this, the next place that he's most known for, and that he was only there like two years, but that was Toronto. Right. Yeah, he uh, went to the to Dub Nation, the Warriors, with Tony Duck, uh, his teammate, in exchange for B.J. Armstrong, former Bulls, Bulls, Bulls legend, legend Um mm-hmm. And at this at this point, um, right when they traded, he was the NBA's all time leader. An assist to turnover ratio and a franchise leader in steals and assists. Yeah. Must emphasize that again. Um, yeah, so after that, he's very tied with the org and Del Curry. We got to mention that finally. Uh, Del Curry um, was an a amazing friend to him. Um, they were very close, uh, not only on the team, but also, you know, off the court. So he was the Del Curry was the only last remaining original member of the Hornets at that time. So that that's that was quite sad, and that that part um, they they really showed um, was the the on the Hornets on decline. You know, like they had to do that. They didn't have to, but like they chose to do to run with what they did, and so he ended up being. And the Warriors very shortly, and hamstring and knee injuries, yeah. and chickenpox was what caused him um, during this lockout-shortened season. And finally, the Raptors, he reunited with his best friend, Del Curry. Oh, yes. He played in Toronto for a little bit. But sadly, crack knee injuries caused Muggsy to have to retire Early in the 2000-2001 season. His last game was on January 27th against the Bulls in 2001. He was traded, but didn't play. He tried to keep playing, but in the end, he ended up retiring after the 01 season due to chronic knee injuries. So, yeah, he didn't officially play or was on the Knicks. Or the the Mavericks. For Chris Childs and... The draft pick. Um, yeah, he was included in the trade. Sally Cat reasons. Um, and so, voila, what, what a career. 
Um, it just so happens that with the Raptors and Bulls connection that, you know, he's his last uh, team that he played for uh, was that. And I, I believe he could still play today. You know, I believe he's healed from that. I'm sure it was uh, traumatic as it happened multiple times. He's a true underdog story um, and other stats we can yeah. say. Um that he was also attempted to trade him too later that year to the Mavs. Who then tried to release him because he had to take care of his mom who was sick, so he yeah. stepped away. Good he's a he's a good guy. Um and that shows with that, um the Mavs waived him. Um he was told that yep, he was helping his mother care for his mother, became a free agent on Halloween. And well, uh, the year after, the summer after he told the Baltimore Sun, the famous newspaper, that he had not retired, was still hoping to play again. And and since then, uh, did, we, did you have something? No, I don't yeah. have anything. Yeah. And since then, he's continued to contribute um, despite not uh, technically retired because usually... In player profiles, the first thing I would say, oh, blah, 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 is a Sudanese uh, retired or, oh, American retired player. All it says for him is American former basketball player. So, you know, there's, I mean, at this point, we hope to to play, you know, somewhere. But, um, you know, it's been so long. He's 60 years old almost, so obviously he won't be playing. Yeah, he's just turned 57 years old. Um on January 9th so he is not he's not young man but no he's definitely uh, one that you know I believe can still go if he wanted to and um, uh, it, it's like seeing that he had the repeated injuries yeah but he's 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 been you know told he cannot do it I thought it was significant um, he yeah, t- told that he cannot do it and you know you're not gonna make anything um out of this because you are too short and he proved everyone wrong and became a legend off of that true inspiration um and yeah his post um career as a player he became he became a coach um he started like a foundation uh, he is always involved with the, his own community coming back to baltimore um, coaching all the 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 kids, you know, in middle schools and all, and eventually became a coach the year after he declared that he wasn't retired yet, but um, was basically done um, to coach in the WNBA. Yeah, the coach, uh, the Charlotte Sting, a now defunct WNBA franchise. Right. He led them to one WNBA finals berth which they lost in a sweep against the Sparks. And what was the reason why the Sting folded? Uh, The Sting, after their successful 06 season, in 07, the Bobcats were bought out by a new owner, and they're like, we don't want the Sting. So they said their attendance was too crappy, so the Sting folded. Yeah, that's very, uh, very shallow of them to do that and so yeah charlotte should be a, a you know hot for basketball but 
At least he has see that. Now. Yeah, that's right. And who knows in the future, you know, expand back to that. Because Connecticut, like we said, they stab the sun. <laughs> they stab a team in general um, in WNBA. And so, yeah, we, we made it through without mentioning his height, which is not the most important thing about a player. No. But uh, in his five feet three, if you can believe. Um, I can't believe that as someone who is not too far off <laughs> from, from you know, five foot something. Um I can definitely relate to being, you know, the smaller of of all the players. You know, I'm not I'm not over six feet, and you know, your average NBA player would be. And so, uh, what would you? What what's your CJ Hawk? What's your takeaway from uh, someone like Muggsy? And what's his? Um, as legacy and um like how how does he how would he um how would you describe him as his place I in just, nba history uh, i describe him as a guy who was able to overcome the odds overcome difficult early circumstances be able to make a name for himself at wake forest able to come up fan favorite and icon as charlotte hornet He's always going to be numbered as a guy who gave it his all and was a maestro of the passing assists and a pickpocket machine. That's exactly right. And we're devastated when we were playing at his, as him. Uh, one of us, we uh, he had gotten uh, struck with the injury. Right. So Dizzy Bang Bowl, when he's as a horse, got injured. The Hornets weren't the same after that. We struggled without him. So he is an important part of any team that is in, especially with the Hornets. Um, anything that CJ Hawk already said, I would uh, would echo the same. Um, one word I have to say once more is inspiration. Yeah, I agree with that. He is an inspiration for anyone who, whether tall or short, but like I believe his audience um, is for the underdogs, the ones that their teachers, coaches, and even you know it could be your own family that tells you you cannot do it. But look at him; um, he achieved what uh, most people would either have give up, given up on, or just said that all right, I'm I just cannot do it because I'm I'm too small, I'm too short. But um, he's one that to tell you, here to tell you that I proved them all wrong. I did it, and I I I move I moved the needle. I was able to like not only make a mark, but like to be able to become successful. Um, you know, even though he didn't become, or at least not become a all star or a hall of famer. Um, didn't become NBA champion, but he pushed further than and he's he'll be i'd say i remember him as a champion in in our hearts right so well said and thank you for listening to episode 90 the long sports show we're really excited we're making it we're inching closer a little by little to episode 100 it's gonna be really exciting when we reach that and also let us know in your comments on either Instagram, Vlog Short Show, or Twitter, Vlog Short Show, or 
And somewhere else in the comments, let us know what you thought of our Legend Spotlight's um, new edition, NBA edition. We're really excited to roll it out and see what you thought of it. Thank you. Yep.